you're listening to Parents You've Got This, the expert guide to parenthood. The complete guide to pregnancy, birth, baby and parenthood. This podcast is brought to you by Parents You've Got This and proudly supported by Mastella. Mastella is a natural origin skincare for babies and children, recommended by healthcare professionals. Mastella by Parents Side since 1950. Today on the podcast, we're talking all about how to get our babies moving. We are joined by our paediatric physiotherapist expert, Francine Finlayson from Physiotherapy for Children. Thank you so much for being with us today, Fran. My pleasure. So Fran, you see a wide range of babies and little ones in the early years. Can you talk to us about what the key areas of physical development are and why they're important? Of course, I'd love to. Um, So I guess in the first couple of years, uh, development physical development is quite sequential. So we expect to see sort of a clear pattern of development of gross motor skills. Um, and it's this um, sequence of movements, and this pattern that helps to lead to later gross motor skills like walking, running, jumping. Um, this scaffolding of skills is really important um, uh, for children to develop in those first couple of years of life um, and to not miss steps. And so an example of that is um, when a baby first learns how to roll, before they learn how to roll, they'll often um, start reaching for their feet. And it's this skill of um, uh, reaching for their feet over and over again that builds up their core and tummy muscles to then help them with rolling. Um, And so children who perhaps skip that step, we might see issues with their posture later on in sitting. Um, And so that's where um, not skipping steps in your development is really important. Um, We also... Though, having said this, we expect some natural variation in development. Um, And I believe that our expert paediatrician, Lexi, has spoken about this in a podcast about milestones. So I won't go into that specifically, the different ages of gross motor skills. Um, But really thinking about, yes, we have um, milestones that we expect certain ages to occur, um, but there is a variation um, and development is a spectrum. And so um, keeping that in mind as parents, not being tied to those specific ages that we read about everywhere. Uh, It's also important um, to not rush through a milestone. So when a baby or child learns a new skill, consolidating those skills, children will often spend, you know, four to six weeks when they first learn a skill, practising that over and over again before they then move into the next skill. So quality is really important. Um, The other thing to consider as well is uh, the environment that you provide your child, so giving them lots of opportunities to develop those physical skills, looking at what they're learning now um, and what they're interested in and tapping into into that. Um, the other thing to think about as well is um, in physical development, children will often first learn um, how to build their core strength, so their proximal central muscles first. Um, so they're your tummy, your trunk, your back muscles um, in lying on their back um, or sit, being on their tummy in tummy time. Um, and then eventually they'll work on their arm and leg strength. So you see that in positions like crawling and standing later on. Um, the other important aspect for physical development that we often don't talk too much about um, but is visual motor control. So children are learning visual motor control from the early days. An example of that in a newborn is bringing their hand to their mouth or seeing their hand for the first time and going, wow, that's my hand. <laughs> um, and those visual motor skills where our eyes are telling our body what we're seeing are really important for later coordination, hand-eye coordination skills that we see in toddlers and school-aged children. 
I love what you're saying there, Fran, about how there is also the difference in timing for these things because I think in parents' groups it can be so frustrating when Mm. you look at the child next to yours and maybe yours isn't doing what the other one's doing and you sort of think, oh, gosh, are they going to be okay? Um, It can be so worrying as a parent, Mm. can't it? Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about the difference between fine and gross motor skills? They're sort of terms that are bandied about a lot, but often we don't actually know what the difference is between fine and gross motor skills. Sure, absolutely. So gross motor skills are the larger movements that we use our whole body for. So we need our core stabilising muscles um, to control us and then the whole body is involved in gross motor skills. Um, Fine motor skills are more related to hand and wrist movements um, and uh, doing tasks such as buttoning uh, buttons, uh, writing and drawing are related to fine motor skills. So often paediatric physios will focus more on the gross motor skills. Um, and occupational therapists focus a little bit more on fine motor skills, but we do cross over a lot and, you know, they're all connected, um, uh, but that's how we differentiate the two broadly. And as parents, how do we help our babies develop these gross motor skills? So in the first couple of uh, years of life, it's um, really important, as I mentioned briefly before, um, to encourage uh, environment rich of opportunity. So different spaces, different environments, different toys um, are all ways that children learn how to develop physically. And we know that there's a really close link between thinking skills, so cognitive skills, and movement, gross motor skills. And so children are motivated to move by what they see, what's around them. So it's really important to tap into that, um, those thinking skills and those cognitive skills that um, we sometimes rule children out of when they're babies. Oh, they're not really doing much, but they're thinking, they're watching, they're learning. Um, and movement comes from that motivation. Um, so I always encourage parents to create different environments indoors and outdoors for their children. Um, you know, a big cardboard box can be made into a rocket or a castle that will encourage children to crawl, to pull up on, to um, you know, be creative within. Um, doesn't have to be all the fancy, you know, wooden picklet frames that cost hundreds of dollars. It can be really simple. Chucking some couch cushions on the floor or pulling a couch apart and making an obstacle course in the house um, encourages um, physical development. Um, also having outdoor, an outdoor space is really important for variety. Um, so going to the park, playground, um, they're all really important places to encourage physical development. Um, I do have a lot of parents ask about all the different groups that exist um, out there and they're great if you're inclined to do it and have the means to go to groups um, where they encourage um, building gross motor skills and physical skills. Things like baby gym and baby sensory classes, they're also great places to learn how to Um, move and develop your physical skills. This might sound like a little bit of a silly question, but I'm not quite sure exactly what it is. Can you talk to us about muscle tone and why it's important um, that our little ones develop it? That's a great question. I actually get asked it every week pretty much from parents. What is muscle tone? So muscle tone is your muscles resting state of readiness to activate. And so we have a certain amount of um, readiness in our muscles that sometimes referred to as tension or... um, activity in your muscles and then we move from that so tone um, uh, changes to allow us to move so it comes and goes to allow us to move and there is a spectrum for tone so some people um, can be lower in tone some people can be higher in tone see some, see some people who always lean against something or always you know sink into a couch and then some people who always you know always on the move bouncing on their toes sometimes might be you know even walking on their toes as adults um, that's the spectrum of, of normal typical that we see um, you're born with a certain amount of muscle tone. It's kind of passed down from your parents. Um, but we can influence tone through strengthening muscles and encouraging activity of movement, through movement. 
Um, and so some children, a lot of the children I see might be lower in muscle tone, which we call hypotonia. Um, and in those children, we encourage um, strengthening their muscles, preparing them for activity and movement, um, and often do a lot of work with us in the early years to build up their strength to help them later uh, with later activities. Um, and those, those children sometimes we find can get fatigued quite quickly or um, can get a bit frustrated at the end of the day because they're really tired. Um, some can have attention issues or some behavioural issues because they're just exhausted because they're working so hard across the day. Mm. And so um, building up their strength, giving them lots of rests and um, knowing that there's something behind some of those behaviours that we see because they're working so much harder than some of their peers. And you must see like a wide range of concerns that parents bring to you in the first few years of life. Can you talk to us about some of those? Absolutely. So a lot of the common things I see in the early um, young infant period um, would be around concerns around neck control, tummy strength and back strength. Um, those children sometimes can have uh, flat heads shape or head turn preference and so we do a lot of work around um, teaching parents positioning, getting stronger in that uh, early period um, and treatment of those other co-occurring conditions like the flat head spot or tight neck muscle. Um, I often do see in the first kind of two years of life children who aren't reaching their milestones. Essentially all those milestones that we get checked off with the maternal child health nurse or our GP, um, if they're not reaching that or showing signs of reaching that point they're the children we see. So children who aren't rolling in those early days or not sitting um, in the later year, you know, later period of the first year of life, not walking when they're expected to be walking. They're the children I see in that we see in that early period. Um, I see a lot of children who fall a lot or trip a lot, who are just a little bit uncoordinated um, and maybe not keeping up with their peers in the playground or at childcare or kinder. Um, they're the common sort of gross motor physical conditions that we see. I also see a lot of children um, who have variations in their posture, so children who might be knock-kneed or bow-legged often come through for just a check or reassurance, um, children who toe-walk, children who have flat feet, um, and sometimes children who are quite turned out or turned in with their feet are some of the common concerns that I see come through. Children develop at their own pace, but Fran, what are the red flags that we should be aware of if we really feel like our child isn't meeting their milestones? That's a great question. I get often asked by different groups. Um, look, yes, as we mentioned, development is a spectrum. So we um, you know, want to take into consideration the developmental trajectory that a child um, takes to get to a skill, not just their specific age that they acquire a skill at. Um, having said that, though, there are specific sort of ages that we expect certain skills um, before we'd consider um, seeing a paediatrician or and um, potentially seeing a paediatric physio, and that would be um, sitting independently when placed in sitting at nine months. Um, so if your child's not doing that, considering seeing a paediatrician, or um, not taking weight through your feet when placed in standing or supported in standing at 12 months, and then also not showing any signs of wanting to walk or being close to walking at 18 months. They're really clear ages that we, we do encourage um, seeking some um, support. Other red flags that I often um, see children for or to consider for parents would be if your child's walking with a limp um, or if you have concerns around their posture, their feet turning out too much or turning in too much and standing or walking, um, walking on their tiptoes um, or if your child's excessively falling or you have issues around concerns around their um, coordination and not keeping up with their peers. And what about tummy time? We're all told as parents, you know, how's the tummy time going? Have you got them on the floor? But not many of them like it. Have you got any tips around tummy time and talk to us about why it's so important? 
Yes, tummy time, the wonderful tummy time. We hear so much about it as, as early parents. Um, is your t- child doing tummy time? And often um, it can get quite stressful parents if a child isn't enjoying tummy time. And a lot of the children I see who aren't enjoying tummy time, which is a lot of babies, um, are those children who have either colic or reflux or gut issues um, and lots of wind. Um, and yes, tummy time is a really important position to build up neck um, muscle strength, tummy and back muscle strength, um, and also later on arm strength. So it is a really important position to develop all those muscles. Um, but tummy time doesn't have to be specifically flat on the floor. Um, it can be modified um, where you put a child over a cushion or over your lap or on the parent's chest or over an exercise ball. They're all um, different variations of tummy time where the, where the baby's building up those same muscles. Um, and so I encourage parents to modify it based on what their child can achieve to make it fun and enjoyable um, and also not doing it for 15 minutes in a row if they're screaming they're not learning anything so breaking it up making it really short and enjoyable is really important um, and also thinking about developing so there are other positions that you can encourage those muscles in and an example of that development of those muscles in an example of that would be carrying a baby over your shoulder where you're not supporting their head and they're holding their head up themselves that's still building up their neck core, back muscles, but in a different position. Let's talk about play environment, Fran. Um, What would your recommendations for parents be when looking at their play environment and activities for their children to help them to build these motor skills? That's a um, a great question as well. So thinking about, um, I think I mentioned earlier about encouraging um, lots of variety um, in their environment, uh, environment rich of different opportunities and thinking about what your child's interested in, so that really important link between physical development and cognitive thinking skills. And so children are motivated to move through what they're interested in. And so um, tapping into that um, yeah, when you're encouraging their motor skills. So always having, um, not always, but thinking about having an indoor environment that's conducive of um, encouraging physical development, um, throwing some cushions on the floor, having you know the uh, set up where you um, cut out a rocket from a big W box, things like that, um, where a child can play and run and call, call through. Um, thinking about also an outdoor environment to encourage variety, so going to the park or playground um, where there's different surfaces, different things to, to climb. There are really important opportunities, different environments for children to learn in. Um, sometimes I find I'll walk into a home when I'm seeing a child and um, the house will just be pristine, clear, open, wide open spaces. There'll be a couple of toys in a basket and a, a mat. Um, and those environments aren't always conducive of movement. So a child who's first learning to cruise, for example, will need surfaces to move between. So having you know, a coffee table next to a couch, next to a dining room chair, next to a toy, um, there are ways for a child to learn how that new skill. And so thinking about what your child's trying to learn um, and setting the environment up for that and, and changing it up, having that variety and lots of opportunities throughout the day. Little bits, but uh, throughout the day. Well, thank you so much, Fran, for coming on the Expert Guide to Parenthood podcast today and sharing all your tips and tricks um, and helping get our little ones moving. A huge thanks to Miss Stella for sponsoring this episode. As much as we want to, we cannot wrap our kids in cotton wool or bubble wrap. With Miss Stella's Sikastella SOS Recovery Cream, you can let your kids explore the world. Sikastella is a multi-purpose cream for little skin boo-boos like scrapes and scratches, insect bites dribble rash, minor burns or broken skin due to eczema. And it doesn't sting. All of the Mastella products are dermatologist and paediatrician tested. Mastella is our family's favourite. 
You've been listening to the Expert Guide to Parenthood podcast. Never forget, parents, you've You've got got this. The information provided in this podcast is general in nature and is intended to support, not replace, a discussion with your doctor or healthcare professional. Parents, you've got this. Take no responsibility for any medical decisions made by individuals based on the information provided in this podcast. Join a Parents You've Got This Masterclass today to be prepared, excited and educated for pregnancy, birth, baby and parenthood. Visit www.parentsyou'vegotthis.com.au and sign up for a masterclass today.